to the Eric Anders Lang Show. Today is Monday, July 17th, June 17th rather. July is right around the corner though, so we should get ahead of ourselves. Um, Great, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a lot of interviews. Uh, We have slowed down to one a week. I appreciate your patience there. Um... And, uh, you know, things have been great, though. The YouTube channel is growing, which is obviously where we're focusing a lot of our attention. Um, movements. We are moving around the world. It's been, it's been, um, it's been a crazy year. And, uh, you know, I, we had a great time at Pebble doing a random golf club at Pacific Grove. If you get to the area and you uh, can't play Pebble or wherever else, don't fret. You can play Pacific Grove and have just as much fun for a tenth the price. Um, but Pebble's also great, obviously. Um, I'm going to go through some questions. Let's see. I got a lot of questions here. Um, let's see. Uh, has your growth or rise in the world of golf altered your view from Pebble when you first played it? Um, I'm just reading these chronologically. I mean, you know, that's going to change everything in the world. So, you know, um, Yeah, it's changed it a lot. I mean, you know, one of the things that's funny is someone once said, do you, now that you can kind of play anywhere, do you get as uh, nervous or, you know, do you clean the clubs the night before or whatever? And, you know, that was, that was one of those experiences, especially because, you know, in partnership with Golf Magazine, we were trying to uh, break 90. So that was a very different experience of golf for me. It was this sort of quasi, um, you know, competitive self-competitive round which was you know i just talked myself out of it i i really tried actually we were almost locked in scheduling to go back the next week and just be like i'm gonna have fun and see what i shoot we'll shoot a video if i shoot 91 i'm not gonna air it but if i shoot 81 let's air it and then we can have a almost like a proof that you can play better um someone did alert me that uh i was potentially going to beat Zach Blair, who I think shot 84 on the first round of the U.S. Open there, which which honestly, that would have that would have made me feel great. Not that I mean, I was playing as bad as I can play, and I'm sure he was playing the worst he's played in a long time. Um, how do you deal with hate, if any, from being a well-known creative on the course? Um, never had that really. I mean, every once in a while you get a comment, you know, that, that doesn't really vibe. But I think that's just one of those things where hey, you know what, everyone's entitled to their opinion. And it's honestly the reason why I took down the uh, Trump Aberdeen video. It was a great video, but it was polarizing. And I didn't want to have anything out there that we do make people uh, separate, uh, feel separated. And so I really learned a big lesson there in what we do as far as you know, the content we make is designed to make people feel connected and together. So once you pick an issue right? Or, or even go to a place that is politically charged, like Trump National, I'm sorry, Trump Aberdeen, which honestly was a great course and one of the best courses we played there. But obviously, there's a lot of controversy surrounding his involvement in the world and specifically Scotland and, you know, I'm an American tourist and whatever. And the, the problem there was that I, in, inappropriately, like, like, I'm not quite a journalist because I have a point of view regularly, but, um, you know, a journalist is sort of not supposed to uh, sort of flaunt their own point of view, I believe. And on that level, I think I made a mistake. So, you know, anyway, the answer is I don't get much. But, you know, I think we've also kind of learned how to create content that everyone can enjoy if you like golf. 
Um, some people don't like that I wear a hat backwards every once in a while, and that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. There's things I don't like, you know, but, um, you know, anyway. Next one, what is the story of your career, and is there somebody that helps you get to where you are today? I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast in, in earlier episodes, but we can jump in now. Is it kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to do this uh, check-in pod was someone said, uh, you know, we, I think people who are new to the channel here sort of surprised that I've only been playing golf for nine years. And to sum it up as quickly as possible, um, I went through most of my first 38 years, uh, about 30 of them, sort of hating golf, ashamed to say. I had built in a stereotype of what I thought golf was, and you know, I hadn't ever been proved wrong. I hadn't ever questioned that. It wasn't really on my radar. My brother played, and he and I were are opposites to to a large degree. Um, you know, he's a lawyer. Um, you know, went to school. I didn't go to school. I'm not a lawyer. You know, I don't follow the law <laughs> in a lot of cases. So, you know, that was my only, you know, view into golf. And then kind of was asking me to play throughout my 20s. And then finally, when I was 30, he said, do you want to play golf? And I said, no. And then I thought about it for a second. And I said, geez, why am I saying no? You know, I've never tried this. I should just give it a go. I'm kind of a yes guy. I might as well just try it. I tried it and I had the best time. And and pretty much that was it, that little three wood. That's why the comment came up is because I said, couldn't believe to be here at the U.S. Open in the Media Center after hitting a three wood, you know, eight or nine years ago. Um, we, as, at that time, I was a filmmaker. Prior to that, I was a photographer. Prior to that, I dropped out of high school um, in favor of smoking weed and taking pictures of trees with like a really old film camera. And... Uh, basically dove into that uh, photography and then got into, I worked for David LaChapelle, who's a well-known fashion photographer in New York and LA, and uh, learned a lot from him and then got into uh, behind the scenes, documentaries, music videos, anything with video. It was right around the time when the um, Canon um, cameras, the SLR video revolution was taking place. So you could shoot a really beautiful video on a camera for a couple grand from B&H. So got really into making videos and, you know, learning about editing and music and just fell in love with that. And then I got into golf. And, you know, it's funny to think now here we are in like a golf content revolution uh, state, right, where we're basically as, as consumers, we're all looking around. I'm watching, you know, the U.S. Open up here on YouTube TV. Um, I'm watching on the USGA app. You know, I, I don't have cable. So this content revolution is taking place. And even companies, media companies like the European Tour or the RNA or No Laying Up or Brody or Rick or Me and My Golf, you know, all of these individuals are basically reinvigorating how golf content is created. So it's funny to think that I spent many years of my life looking at the still image and then many years of my life looking at the moving image and editing and then I found golf, and I basically just started very slowly pointing my lens to golf. And then years after that of getting interested in making a documentary about golf and how it relates to meditation on the professional circuit, I somehow found myself on the other side of the camera in a pinch because I didn't have anyone to talk to the camera and basically host this little Kickstarter video I was doing. And, um, you know, so I'm I'm up there. Oh, I'm Eric. I'm a documentary filmmaker. Check out my film about golf and meditation, which is still not out, but it will be soon at some point. And the PGA Tour saw that little video and they said, oh, "Do you want to host a show?" And I said, uh, 
how much are you paying? And they said, basically nothing. And I said, fine, great. So we did, uh, you know, Adventures in Golf. It was an idea that came up at the meeting. Uh, We had a little board meeting there, and I had no idea what was about to happen. And so that's kind of the the story there. Um, When did you realize golf changed from a sport and a hobby into a lifestyle? That's an interesting question. I mean, it's individual for everybody. It's going to be different for everybody. I mean... I think probably is when I started wearing golf shirts when I didn't have to play golf. That's probably the answer there. It's just I was always going to be somehow involved with golf. Do you ever put pressure on yourself to make a score, or is it always just about fun for you? Um, Usually when I'm going out without a camera, I'll try to play a match with someone, but I don't take it too seriously. Um, Good enough to sort of be able to get it right around 80 any day. Um, Bad days, 82. Good days, 75 kind of thing. Um, So... Yeah, I don't put a lot of pressure on myself. The Pebble thing, that was, you know, surprisingly our most successful video, and that was painful. Sorry, I knocked the mic. Uh, one uh, best thing, I don't understand these questions. Um, most interesting person you met? Oh, okay, that's a good question. Um, whew, well, let's see, most interesting person I've met. That's just such a difficult question, too, because everybody is such an individual. I mean, obviously, Alexander comes to my mind. Uh, Dr. Parent comes to my mind. Um, Jason Goldsmith, the mental coach on tour, very interesting person in golf. Um, Every episode of Adventures in Golf, Pratima, Sherpa, um, you know, everywhere we go. I think that's sort of a question that's difficult for a documentarian to answer because the truth is, if you're being honest, everybody is equally as interesting. And I think that's kind of the... Uh, probably one of the big factors to being a successful documentarian because if you can't see something incredibly interesting about each person you meet, then you're kind of, you know, maybe not going to do it right. You know, you, you you have to be equal. It's like it's like a parent. You can't have a favorite. How important is the walk in golf? I mean, it's crucial, right? Like we spend four hours walking. We spend about a minute hitting a ball. The walk is the is the joy, right? So you gotta have great shoes. Um, <laughs> I'll save the ad for the ad read. Um, no, but I mean that's what it's all about, you know. The walk from green to tea—that's a big one right there. That's the walk from green to tea doesn't get enough credit. It's the moment that one story ends and another one opens, right? You you sort of leave the past triumph or failure, and you walk to the next tea. Maybe it's a course you never played. You have no idea what you're about to see. You might glimpse at the scorecard. Oh, it's at a part three, four, five. I don't know. You get a new vantage point, right? That's very important. Is it really necessary for someone to take lessons in order to get their golf game to the next level? 100%, absolutely. Uh, pick your dream foursome uh, and what course you're playing at. Eh, I just, this question's tough. I mean, Western Gales is one of my dream courses out in Scotland. I would obviously play with Alex and uh, Stuart, my best friend. And um, yeah, I mean, my dad. Get my dad out there. That'd be a fun round. That'd be a great round. Um, what major changes in amateur golf do you want to see happen? Um, I'd like to see a different set of rules from the USGA. You know, one set for the pros and one set for the amateurs. Um, you know, some courses that have six-hole routings would be great. Uh, dogs on courses and private clubs that are open uh, Mondays. That'd be great. Um, when are you hitting up Belfast and why? I'm in Belfast now, dog. I just got here. This place is sick. And I'll be here for the week doing the Open Links Invitational with uh, Rick Shields, 
Connor McGregor, not Connor McGregor, Connor sketches from Golf Channel, Alexandra, Troy Mullins, uh, Brody Smith, and a handful of other Sky Sports folks. And um, and then I'm going to come back. I'm going to go to Scotland, Norway, France, Scotland, and then back to Ireland for the Open itself. So hopefully we'll get time to do some community stuff and do an RGC. Um, song recommendations. I have a Spotify profile. It's Eric Anders Lang, and there's a lot of good music on there, good tunes. Did the big coffee table book on old golf clubs I sent? Yes, it did, Ross. Thank you. I got the book. You're a legend. Thank you. I made a video of it arriving, so you have that'll be on the next uh, video up there on YouTube. Have you played a Stanley Thompson designed golf course? I don't know. I don't think so. How do you react when you're golfing and you feel your game falling apart or getting worse? Uh, well, I try to laugh, but sometimes you don't do that. You know, sometimes you get kind of serious. Um, I try to laugh. I, I try to really look at where I am in the moment. What, what country I'm in? What 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 state am I in? What course am I on? What's the history? What's the place? What's the grass like? What's the wind like? Who am I playing with? How are they doing? Where's the caddy from? And then maybe I just dream about dinner or something, you know, but... You know, the main thing is you just got to find a key that works for you to get out of that, uh, you know, behind the ball thing. Uh, what U.S. city are you most interested in doing a golf trip to? What U.S. city? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I'm kind of looking forward to something in Texas. You know, I haven't really spent a lot of time in Texas. I've only played one course there in um, Austin. So I'd, I'd love to do that. Um, but there's a lot that I haven't really played a lot of golf in. The truth is um, Chicago. Chicago, I'd love to do. I played Medina and Dubs Dread, but I haven't played, and Canal Shores. Uh, but Chicago would be a great place to go in the summer. Mexico soon. Yo, my man, we were in Mexico in December, and we are about to launch the golf show Mexico. So that's coming out very soon. So uh, I think it's about six episodes, all from Mexico. Very high production value, if you know what I mean. How has your love of golf grown or changed as you become a better player? Oh, it's just deepened to a degree that I hadn't ever expected. It's like it's like a love, a marriage, a relationship. You you sort of take the bad and you supply what to it that you have. You know, you you grow with the game. You you grow as it grows, and thus it's always changing. So uh, it's just deepened to a degree that that is so incredibly gratifying. Um, you know, the the world is huge. Um, why? Why are you only doing one a week? Good question. Thank you for asking. Um, we're doing one a week because, um, you know, we looked at all of our different forms of communication, right? And we have the uh, the the Instagram, the YouTube, the Twitter, which is I don't do too much on Twitter, and we're starting to get into Facebook. And so the podcast, and we, we basically looked at like, all right, the podcast is up and it's good and it's great and, you know, it's valuable. I've learned so much from it. Um, but... I think the churn rate for us was uh, challenging. So we looked at what should we focus on? And so we've really been focusing on YouTube, which has taken up a lot of our time and a lot of my time, obviously. Um, so it really was a factor of, and, and the truth is from the beginning, I thought, okay, I'm going to do two a week until we get to 100. And then we got to 100 and I was like, let's keep going. And then it just was like, it was hard to do a deep and interesting podcast every time. So I just sort of thought, you know what, let's hang back and let's focus on pods that people want to hear. So that's the reason. I apologize. Uh, how do you feel about what Foreplay is doing for golf popularity in the Young Demo? Um, you know, I think Riggs is a good guy. I don't really watch too much of what they do. I think, you know, it's, a, it's like one of those things where it's like, 
it's like Friends. You know, there's like the reason why there's six characters on Friends is because there's six types of people that can watch that show, right? There's Ross, the nerd. There's, um, you know, Rachel, the sort of normal girl. There's um, what's uh, what's uh, what's the blonde's name? I can't remember. Um, Kudrow. There's Kudrow, kind of the quirky girl. Then there's Joey, the kind of bro. You know, I mean, it should be the same with golf content. Everyone has their own channel that they like. And, you know, if people are watching it, then that's success. Then that's great. That means that people like it. So I feel good about it. You know, I think that's that's a that's a healthy um, atmosphere for things to coexist. President's Cup trip. Absolutely, man. Haven't made the plan yet, but it's definitely on the calendar there in theory. Uh, someone says, I don't play golf, but I want to, but I suck. How do I practice and learn? Well, check out some videos on YouTube. Uh, maybe I'll start doing how-to videos. Why not? Um, you know, go to a store, go read articles, just, you know, just let your inquisitiveness lead your game, right? Whatever you want to do, you should just focus on that. Practice is big though. How many balls do you carry in your bag? I usually carry six. Um, for a beginner, what's the most important part of your game to work on first? I mean, that's, it's, again, it just kind of goes back to what you want. Driver is obviously a big one, but driver is a complicated swing. So seven irons, good. You know, there was a guy who did the 10,000 hours thing and he started off with three foot putts and then he worked his way all the way back. Um, I would honestly say irons, though. Get your seven iron down and then move on from there. What's your opinion on golf being heavily characterized as a dad activity around Father's Day? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, you know, a lot of women get people into golf. A lot of fathers get women into golf. I mean, you know, it's just a matter of history. You know, as, as, as we grow, as the game changes, the perspective will change. You know, I've always said golf has a PR problem, and I still believe that. Um, you know, we, we strive towards inclusivity. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when I think of Father's Day, I think of golf. I think of the U.S. Open. I think of my dad. What's your favorite pre-round ritual you've heard of and or do yourself? Hmm, coffee. Usually I get a coffee before the round, no matter what time of day it is. Uh, suggestions for someone who has been playing a year and still can't shoot a under 100. I mean, you know, stick with it and put your priorities on something else. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, find a swing that works for you and come up with a metric that you can use to enjoy the game and have fun with it. Um, going to the open in Portrush Sunday, any advice on best thing to do, find a spot or follow? I don't know. I've never been to Portrush. So I'm digging around this week and then, you know, we'll get it out there. When do you decide to chase the dream? It's a good question. It just kind of happened for me. Honestly, I, I didn't really like make a big decision. Although a year and a half ago, I was going to give up golf content. I was going to stop and I wanted to make a podcast that wasn't a golf podcast. I knew I could do a golf podcast, but I wanted to do something bigger. And, um, I went, I was invited to go to the PGA show by Akbar. It would have been my second trip. The first time I went, I didn't have a ton of fun. I, I just kind of went, whatever it was work. And the second, and that was before adventures in golf really had come out. Then the second year I was invited to go. I didn't want to go. I was invited to go again. I didn't want to go. And then finally a third time Akbar said, dude, come to the PGA show. So I went. And basically, I interacted with some fans of the show. Uh, about 10 people throughout the course of the couple of days came up to me and said, I love Adventures in Golf. Thank you for making it. And that changed it for me. That, then I ultimately realized in a moment that the show had viewers. Right? I, I didn't really realize that. You know, Looking at it on YouTube and seeing whatever, 10, 20, 30, 50,000 views, it didn't mean anything to me. I didn't, I didn't understand. My Instagram account was private. Um, I didn't have a podcast. I didn't have my own YouTube channel. I didn't have Twitter. I just made the show for the PGA Tour for Scratch TV, and basically it was an experiment. 
And when I went to the PGA show and people told me that they liked it and that it meant something to them and that it had had some positive impact on their life, I came back to LA after the PGA show. This was a year and a half ago. And I said, let's do a golf podcast. Let's go. And that was a year and a half ago. So that was probably the real pedal to the metal moment. Um, How do you balance golf and life so well? Well, my friend, for me, they are one. Uh, I'm pretty much always thinking about golf or always talking golf or doing something with golf. Um, So it, it just kind of always merges. Come back to Scotland. I hear you, bro. I'm dying. I get it there in a couple weeks. You coming to Texas? Commented on that earlier, bro. I'll be there. Eric, do you sometimes miss flying under the radar? Talking more about working with USGA and the tour rate. Um, I don't know if I totally understand that. I mean, you know, I think I think we still do fly under the radar. We we do a lot of content that's just for us. You know, we were joking that when we went to the U.S. Open, we had. Uh, day job, right, which was making content for our partners that week. And then at night, we would go do our fun job, which was Random Golf Club. Um, so that was that. Uh, what brand is the yellow golf club you have? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I use a vice glove typically, but I also like these Asher gloves, and um, those guys are pretty legit. Why did you oh, why did you get rid of Colt? He's our favorite. Yeah, man, Colt's my favorite too. I didn't get rid of him. He uh, you know, it was just sort of time to move on. Like he had learned so much from the job and you know, he uh his future is going to be bigger than the job we had for him. And I think I really respect him as a human, as a as a student, as a colleague, as a friend. And um, you know, it was just a matter of you know, it just felt right for all of us. And so we miss him a lot. It was good to catch up with him at the U.S. Open. I saw him briefly. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, I think he's happier now. You know, I think, I think he really like, you know, he's, he's going to go on to do great things. That's, that's the bottom line. Um, learning to embrace failure. It makes us better. Swallow your ego. Okay. That's not a question, but I agree. Um, if you could swap one area of your game with a pro, what would it be and who with? I mean, it would be putting with whoever's best on putting. You look at the – it's like all about putting at the end of the day. Like I'll argue it to the ends of the earth with anybody. If you can put the ball in the hole while it's on the green when you're on the green in two, you know what I mean? If you can avoid three putts, if you can make your birdie opportunities happen, that's the game. That's I, that's the most fun part of the game for me right now. Um, which favorite hole at Pebble after walking it this week? Ooh, man, 18 is pretty solid. 18 has a real feeling. 18 is good on any course, to be honest with you. Usually the – Powers the B, the architect, they all really try to put it together for you on 18. 18's a very special hole. And and in 18, you get to face where you're at, right? For me, I was at, if I par, I shoot 90, so I needed a birdie. I didn't even know that. But how many rounds of golf do you play in a year? Ooh, that's probably 175, something like that, 150. I don't I don't handicap all of them because in the UK and stuff and internationally, it's it, the handicapping thing isn't the same. Um, and also, if I'm filming, I don't take it seriously. So some rounds might only consist of 14 holes or something. How did your round at Pebble make you feel? Uh, awful. I really, I could barely watch the edit. Uh, what does a country need to produce great golfers? Ooh, man, it needs a junior program. It needs free lessons. It needs cheap golf. It needs everything, man. It needs a lot. How long did it take you to feel like your golf game was getting better, getting somewhere after beginning? I mean, honestly, my golf my golf uh, ability has kind of um, gone in two spurts. One was the beginning and one is now, the past year or two. In the middle there, I got kind of caught up. And because we were filming so much, I stopped really caring about score and I would regularly shoot high 80s. And now it's like high 70s. So 
mostly it was, it's more now, and that's been eight years, but that doesn't have to be the same way for everybody. It's, it's mostly a factor of how serious you take the round, because if you're going to keep score, you might as well putt seriously. You might as well chip seriously. You might as well practice short game. Is it better to play the same course all the time or new ones every week? Mm, good one. Well, I guess it depends on who you are. You know, I mean, if you want to score well, play the same course. If you want to travel and have fun and meet new people, try new ones every week. The answer for both of you is it's going to be both. How was Cyprus? Do tell. Uh, Cyprus. I think I break it down in one episode, but basically I showed up to Cyprus four days after getting a divorce with three guys who I didn't really know. The first one, when I told him, said, oh, I'm getting a divorce too. The second guy said, oh, I'm on my second marriage. The third guy said, I'm on my third. So we had something to talk about the entire trip. It was a wonderful spiritual experience playing Cyprus. What is your home course? Um, I don't really have one now. I go to Rustic a lot. I go to Rancho a lot. I'm never really in L.A., so I don't really know. Best shot of my life. Uh, ooh, that's a toughie. I mean, I had a hole-in-one at Rustic Canyon on the, uh, what was it, the sixth hole. And uh, it was a four-iron, 200 yards, little draw, rolled in the hole. I couldn't see it. I got to the hole, and it was in there. Um, but that was luck, let's be honest. When are you planning on coming back to Scotland? Coming back soon, next week. I'll be in uh, St. Andrews and a little bit down in Troon. Um, preference, Adipura SP or 360 XT. Did you switch to the Spider X? Okay. I like the Adipura SP. It's a little warm, but I like it. It's very comfy. Uh, I did not switch to the Spider X. I, uh, I did not. Uh, I always have one really bad hole per nine, and I would like to know how to help eliminate that. Man. Wouldn't everybody? I can't tell you, my friend. If you had no interest in golf, what would you be doing instead? That's a great question, and I've tried to ponder it myself, and I get really sad. It really it does bum me out when I have to think about that. I don't know. Um, when will you explore the sand belt? I played a couple courses down there, mate, uh, but we're coming back, hopefully, President's Cup. I know I can hit great shots. The problem I have is consistency. Any tips? Well, I mean, go to the range, find your shot, You know, figure out your shape for the day. Where's your miss? Play your miss. Why don't you take a scorecard and write down where you miss with your driver and with your irons and with your putter. And if you always miss on the right side with the putter, then you need to close it. If you always miss on the left side with your irons, then you need to aim a little more right. If you always miss on the right side with your driver, then you need to aim left. So that's that. Favorite golf course, Western Gales, my guy. Your favorite U.S. Open Championship and why? <laughs> well played, my friend. Well played. Well, for me, it's this one because I feel really connected, right, to the course and the people and getting there early and watching everybody. Um, you know, at the time of the recording of this podcast, I don't actually know who won, but it doesn't really matter necessarily. Anyway, I can't answer that question. What would you be doing if not golf? I kind of already tried to answer that. If you could have lifetime tickets to one major for the rest of your life, which one? The Open. You get the most with the Open, right? The Masters is amazing, but you can go every other year and it's still the same. But the Open... That's where it's at. Every five years you're at St. Andrews, that's money. Um, uh, what drives you on the course, enjoyment or progression? It's a mixture of both. It's a little cocktail. It's sweet and sour. Um, if you could read one biography on a person that dedicated their life to golf, who would it be? Hmm, good question. I want to say Bobby Jones. Um, any advice for first-time filmmakers in terms of guidance for a first project? Um, yeah, have references, know what you want to do, know what you don't want to do, and try everything. Be, be okay with making an experiment and having it fail. And put a lot of hard work into it. And they say it takes a long time to make a film and to get good at filmmaking. Um, what are your thoughts on Patrick Reed? Does he bring it on himself? 
honestly, I don't know. I, you know, like I know people hate Patrick Reed. My interactions with him have been super positive. He's like been really nice to me. He's like gave me a ride in a golf cart when he didn't have to when we were in Maui, like a mile from the driving range. Um, you know, I've talked to his wife. I've, I've heard all sorts of stuff, both inside baseball and outside baseball. I don't know, man. I mean, you know, you just never know. Like it's all PR. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe he could be doing something differently and he could change this view. Um, Post-round drink, uh, probably water, no ice. Uh, RL quarter zip and peach is beautiful, but how comes online there is no polo icon on the front? Good question. I actually don't know, my friend. Uh, when are you coming to visit me in Scottsdale? My man, we were just there. We'll probably be back out for the waste management next year. What are your favorite golf brands that most golfers have never heard of? Check out Grayson. Grayson's great. I love those guys. Um, Seamus makes good head covers. Jones makes the golf bags. Precision Pro makes the uh, makes the um, range finders. Could you get into your past how I did that? Uh, ever, ever thought about doing something with the foreplay guys? Sure, I'm down, whatever. Uh, what would be your last meal? Ooh, I asked um, John C. McGinley this. My last meal would probably be fried chicken with like some really, really good mashed potatoes, Brussels sprouts that are like fried, crispy, you know, blackened, um, chocolate cake that's like just perfect. Um, my mouth's starting to water. Hot coffee with some cream. And I'd probably have a cigarette, honestly. If it's my last meal, I'm going to finish it off right. Not that I condone smoking. I, I'm an ex-smoker. I used to smoke. But you're talking about my last meal. Um, how has golf shaped the way you look at life? <sighs> Man, that's a tough one. I mean, it's changed everything, you know? Like, you, like you, you can't be a golfer and seriously manage the game if you're okay, if you're not okay with an outcome. You, you, you have to... You have to just give it up, you know, and in some ways golf has taught me that I have no control. Uh, when, when are we going to see Corey Heenan on your YouTube golf vid? Good question, man. we got to get Corey up on there. Corey, my friend from L.A. How did you not know you were talking to Hale Irwin? Wow, I still don't know what you're talking about. When was that? Which golfer and non-golfer do you still want to interview on your podcast? Ooh, Henrik Stenson. Can't wait for that one. That's going to hopefully come up when we're at the European Tour. Um, non-golfer... Man, I don't, I don't really, I don't really interview non-golfers. LOL. Um, ben Rector, my guy, he's going to be in LA soon. Um, can we play golf one day? Absolutely, man. I always try to do the random golf club when I have time. Um, that's always really huge for me. All right, I'm gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back, everybody. All right, got a quick ad for you here. Are you saving for a summer vacation, a down payment, or building up an emergency fund? Start saving for things that matter with Twine. We all have big things in the future we're saving toward, but it can be hard not to spend the money in your bank account. Twine helps you put money aside and actually save up for the things that you care about. With the Twine app, saving money towards your financial goals just got easier. Save with a cash savings account or invest in a portfolio customized for, your, for you based on your needs. And with automatic deposits from your bank to Twine, you can set it, forget it, and save up without even trying. That sounds ideal. Uh, no more temptation to spend that extra money. Well... I don't know. you got to not leave your house for that one. Everywhere you go, people want your money. And did we mention that you can share a goal with a partner and save together? Ooh, my significant other. Let's not spend money together. Uh, with Twine, you can save and invest for the things that matter to you. All it takes is five bucks and two minutes to get started. Right now, Twine is offering you $15 to help you save for your goals. Just go to twine.com slash Eric. 
E-R-I-K. When you open your first goal, Twine will add 15 bucks into your account. Go to twine.com slash Eric today for $15 towards your first savings goal. Start saving with twine.com slash Eric. Save it up, folks. Let's go on a golf trip. All right, Precision Pro, everybody. Precision Pro Golf makes amazing golf rangefinders that are the perfect combination of price and performance. Um, listen, whenever I see someone on the range or wherever I go, if I see someone with a Precision Pro rangefinder, I see a paisano, a countryman, someone who's not interested in basically overpaying for a product. Same the same way I feel about vice balls. You know, it's like it's just like. We cut out the middleman, we make a great product, and we get it out to you so that you can basically afford it. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. I, I just, I would rather have uh, something that's good value, right? Uh, right now, the NX7 Pro is on sale. Whoa, $40 off. Go get it. $40 off. That's a good deal. What's even better is that you can get an additional $10 off for being a listener of the podcast when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's $50 off. I mean, jeez. I'm going to go get some. I've said that already. Over 800 verified reviews from real golfers can't be wrong. Here's what Ty had to say about his NX7 Pro Rangefinder. He goes, uh, while waiting on the tee box in my last round, there was a hawk flying overhead. (laughs) The NX7 Pro is so fast and accurate that I was able to measure the distance to the hawk while it was moving. 178.4 178.4 yards, if you're curious. So that's about a, that's an easy six, hard seven. Um, if the NX7 Pro Golf Rangefinder can measure a hawk, it can definitely measure a flag. That's been my experience. Um, well, also Ty's experience. Uh, go to precisionprogolf.com and use coupon code ERIC, E-R-I-K, to get $50 off the NX7 Pro Rangefinder today. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. All right, one more read, folks. Adidas. Over 5 million pieces of plastic are floating in our oceans, which over time get broken down, making it easy for sea life to ingest, ultimately affecting our own food chain. So it is your problem. It's not just a world problem. It's you. It affects you. Adidas is working with Parlay to prevent plastic entering our oceans and transform it into high-performance sportswear. Mm-hmm. Shoes is coming soon. Just hold on. Hold your hats, folks. I'm not even done with the ad. Stop trying to figure out what I'm going to say. Adidas is spinning the problem into what? A solution. The thread into a thread. I don't know what that means. It's written here. It says the thread into a thread. I don't know who wrote this. Adidas Golf is bringing eco-innovation to the golf course in the form of a special edition shoe. All right, this is legit, actually. This is the first time the Parlay shoe has been uh, a golf shoe. I've had it in um, form of a running shoe. I mean, look, it's it's a sick shoe that serves a purpose, okay? That's where you get it. Um, the Tour 360 XT Parlay, the first ever golf shoe. Oh, looks, they already wrote it for me. The first ever golf shoe made from pla- uh, recycled. Oh, no, it's not called recycled. It's called upcycled. I don't know what that is. I feel like I should probably Google that. Upcycled plastic waste that was intercepted like Jason Bourne from the beaches and coastal communities before reaching the ocean. Dang, I didn't realize this is Jason Bourne's golf shoe intercepted i mean i'm a golf guy but i also love football 
Who doesn't love a classic interception, especially when it's Jason Bourne saving planet Earth? Entire upper of the shoe is made with threads spun. It's also a DJ. Amazing. From the upcycled plastic waste. My phone's ringing. It's Andrew Marler. Hang on. All right. Well, that was a 20-minute phone call, but you have no idea. It just went by like that. Um, anyway, the Tour 360 XT Parlay, the first ever golf shoe made from upcycled plastic. I already read this because it's got the intercepted line. Intercepted from beaches and coastal communities in a world before reaching the ocean. The entire upper of the shoe is made from thread spun from upcycled plastic waste. Built is built as the Tour 360 XT, you still get great traction and stability. I feel like, what's that line from Taken? I have a certain set of skills. <laughs> they will take you. Available starting June 10th at adidas.com. And for those headed to the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, a select number of pairs will be sold on site. Get into it, folks. All right, back to the show. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. All right, we're back. Uh, what other sports have the best fashion? Man, uh, F1, that's for sure. Um, it's a good question. What other sports have the best fashion? I mean, golf is really, you know, unique because you get to design your own uniform and you're usually sponsored by a clothing company. So golf kind of does well, except the players are just littered with logos. I mean, I kind of like seeing the amateurs play. Uh, favorite Rolex, any GMT or an old presidential. I like it when they come in silver. Uh, comments and experience of playing Nullibert. Man, that course was tough. And when you're out in the middle of nowhere, the food is difficult to get good food. Um, it's a grind. It's a grind. The Nullibert episode of Adventures in Golf, obviously four-day round spanning some seven or 800 miles. Um, should there be more short courses, par threes, making use of similar pieces of land and in cities? Yes, there should. There will. And I will work towards making that happen for everybody. Most fulfilling aspect of the game in go game of golf, in your opinion, the people. Golf is, uh, without people, it's just grass. So it's the people. Everywhere you go, I have memories flying through my head right now of, of you know, the guy at the turn with the coffee at La Hinch in Ireland, uh, playing with uh, Miss Thailand in in, um, in Bangkok, of, uh, of Pratima in Nepal, of running into Scott on the tee at New South Wales, of playing Augusta with uh, Brian, the writer, of, um, of, of playing Cyprus with Nick. Of, of playing random golf club with the 50 randoms that showed up, you know. Uh, it's the people, man. That's, that's all it is. It, it, there's no golf without people. If you had a second chance at Pebble, do you think you could break 90? 100%. Favorite PGA Tour player? Tough question. Um, honestly, I try to like them all, you know. I try to think, would I be good with this person winning, you know. And mostly that just comes down to our responsibility of learning their story, right? You know, you don't want someone to come too out of nowhere because then you don't know them. So, so really, I try to like them all. I mean, Johnny Vegas is a sweetheart. Jason Day, they're so nice. You know what I mean? Like, that's a big part of it, really. If I could go pro, would I? Absolutely not. 
that is a tough life that I could not lead. I'm good at my job. I want to keep my job. I like my job. I believe the podcast is on Spotify. I'm sorry, I don't know. How would you fix golf coverage on TV? Seems like you missed. Seems like a missed opportunity to grow the game. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, um, it's tough, man. I mean, you're not going to change it that much. It, for the most part, it works. I want to know where they're at, what hole they're at. I want to know where the ball's moving if I haven't been to the course. I don't know how you change it. I'll think about it. If I have the answer, I'll be making a billion dollars pretty soon. Um, how did you go about capturing such a big game on film? Um, I think you're referring to golf in general. I mean, you know, it's just it's just about painting the world with the lens, and we just move around and do that, um, and then edit it together into a tidy little video. Um, would love to hear you discuss the topic of ego in golf. Open for interpretation. Hmm, good question. Um, I mean, ego in golf is good and a bad thing, I believe, right? You you have to have ego to believe that you can get there in two, but you also have to be somewhat humble to believe that you might miss. And And I think in some ways... Ego is good before the shot, but not after the shot. It's good to believe that you can do something or that you're worth the, uh, you know, that, that, that risk. But if you don't pull it off, I think that's where you really run into ego being a bad thing because Brooks Kepka does a really good job of not showing his reaction to the shots. So at that point, you can drop the ego and it can just be a mistake and, you know, they happen. And then really the opportunity there is to make another amazing shot, another recovery. So I believe that. <laughs> you can only play one course for eternity. Which course? Ooh, that's tough. I mean, I really like LACC. That is, it's private though. Um, I guess I'd go to Scotland and play Western Gales. I mean, it's a tough question logistically because that does that mean I have to live in Ayrshire? I don't know. I don't know if I want to live there. I, I like visiting, but I like living in LA too. Do you think under 25 year olds should have to pay less for playing golf? 100%. I would love to see that. Good idea. Biggest downside of the life you live? Hmm. Good question. Um, ooh, stumped me. Took about 50. Um, here's the thing. I mean, you know, the best quote I've heard recently is, being a professional means doing what you love even when you don't want to do it. So there are some days where I wake up and I don't want to do it. I don't want to go play golf. I don't want to interview somebody. I don't want to fly the drone. I don't want to edit it down. I don't want to promote it on Instagram or Twitter. I don't want to post a video on YouTube. I don't want to do it. And um, basically then I do two things. One is I do it anyway because it's my job and no one cares how I feel. Um, and the other thing I do is I read the comments and I do something like this, right, where I invite questions from the audience that we wonderfully have this opportunity to go back and forth with, right? This is really the only way I've found for the podcast to become a two-way street. Um, with YouTube, it's a little easier because I can read the comments and respond and laugh and whatever, and same with Instagram. Um, but but that's what I do. And, and the, I guess the hard part there is, you know, trying to protect you guys, right? Like, I don't want to go out on Instagram and be like, this is tough. I don't want to do this. Like, that's not, that's inappropriate. Um, so the, the toughest, the downside is that it's not really a downside, but it's just a moment, you know? I mean, you know, being totally transactional, the downside is is all the travel. You know what I mean? Like, it's so fun to get there, but it's hard to get there. You know, it's connecting flights. It's missed flights. It's layovers. It's, you know, ears popping. It's batteries dying. It's, you know, it's a mess, you know? But it's invigorating as well. And, and the reason why, as I go back to the earlier statement, is because 
it means something to all of us. And it goes back to the year and a half ago at the PGA show when I stopped, wanted to stop doing it. It meant something to me. It meant something to someone else. That's that, that was it. So I don't know. Better course, Pebble or Augusta? Augusta. Pebble's good, but anyone will tell you it's not a great course. Augusta is a reasonably perfect golf course. Uh, wonderful, obviously. I mean, Pebble's incredible, but you know, I, I also really like Spyglass, to, to be honest with you. Would you be interested in joining one of the major PGA Tour broadcast teams? Absolutely. That'd be really fun. I, I did that once at 16 at the Waste Management one year. I was live there. <laughs> good question, Scott B., not going to answer that on the pod. Do you ever feel that when you discover golf, it's like being let in on a big secret? 1,000%. And the wonderful part of golf is that it's so deep and so big that you can just continue swimming. You can keep going. Um, do you get more of a kick out of playing the big name courses or smaller discoveries, AIGs? Um, that's a good question. I mean, you know, it's nice to roll up to LACC and play golf at a really nice course and lace your shoes up tight and say hi to everybody and, you know, have a caddy and whatnot. And that's great. It's a different thing for me, to be honest with you, because I was never able to afford that. I was never invited. I never had the clothing. You know, my thrift store clothes didn't fit, as you saw in the Cypress clip, the baggy pants. Um, but the truth is, I mean, going back to my roots, I mean, the thrill for me is Pacific Grove, is the 50-person random golf club. It's the story at a course that no one knows about. It's, it's, the, it's the reality, the dose of, of reality that golf gives us if we look deep enough. So, yeah, you know, I would, if I had to trade those two types of golf, I would, go, I would go the discoveries, the hidden gems. How did you get that hair? Well, you know, I, woke, I went to bed one night and I didn't wash it. And that was years ago. Haven't washed it since. I put a little gel in it every couple weeks and I don't cut it. So that's pretty much it. But, you know, no one in my family has it. So it's very strange. Other than Pebble and Beth Page, best public track you've played. Ooh, that's a doozy. Best public track I've played. I'm going to say Tobacco Road. That's an incredible golf course. I mean, to back, I've only played it once, but I can't wait to get back there. That's a really good question, actually. I appreciate that question. Thank you. Where did you get your golf style inspiration from? I mean, you know, I just never was really into golf clothing. And so for me, now that golf clothing has really come a long way since I got into golf eight years ago, uh, it just come from myself. Like I, Even though, you know, I was a bit embarrassed to reveal that there was a stylist for that whole thing at Pebble last week, but... You know, even that, like I, I, you know, I, I just pick it out myself. You know, I usually like to go real simple and maybe throw some color in there. Just keep it basic. Find a pair of pants you like, find a pair of shoes that go with those pants and then put a shirt on it. You know, um, you don't need a ton of outfits, even though I have way too many golf clothes right now. Uh, what got you into traveling around the world and discovering about golf? Well, I was always a traveler. I was always doing road trips in my car before I could afford plane tickets. And I was always having a camera with me. And, um, and then golf just took the front seat there. And I was just, instead of driving to campsites or hot springs, I just started driving to golf courses. Now that we know you have a stylist, are capris on men a yay or nay? They're nay for me, but I know I wear some of my pants kind of short. And honestly, that's a bit of a mix-up with the tailor. Because the thing about pants, guys, is it's not about the brand as much as it is about getting them to fit you. Find a pair of pants that fit you in the waist, that make your butt look good, 
and then taper them and hem them so that they rest right on the tops of your golf shoes. That's the biggest part. Make sure you get them tapered. It costs a little more. It costs about 20 bucks per pair, but very few companies make a pair of pants that go right down your leg and make you look good. So, uh, yeah. Favorite type of rescue shot to make and what makes it so fun to you? You know what I really like? I like it when I'm on a par five and I've kind of blown my drive. And then I need to hit like a low riser, four iron or gapper, and turn it over a little bit or cut it. And I love when it just hits the front edge of the green and rolls up. That to me is the king because then you can basically still have a shot at eagle and, you know, even after a bad drive. So that's really when I try to look at a bad drive as like, ah, big deal, long haul. You know what I mean? Um, any more seasons of adventures in golf? Absolutely, man. We're headed to Norway in a couple weeks, and then we're going to go to France. So we've got a whole new season four coming. I'm pretty excited. Next milestone for Lang Creative. Thank you for the question, and thank you for the respect. Um, milestone is um, just grow the subscriber base on YouTube. That's our primary focus right now. It's been all organic. It's been fun. We really committed to doing two videos a week. Um, we've seen success with that. We're going to start releasing maybe more every once in a while. We've got Japan content coming up. Biggest milestone is, um, you know, uh, take aim on the big guys. <laughs> That's a uh, a um, reference to a Wes Anderson film. Take them down. Um, if you had to play with one club for the rest of your life, what would it be? Seven iron. Any tips on Royal St. George's? Play it on Monday. Ooh, Royal St. George's. Don't bite off more than you can chew and listen to your caddy. Take it easy. It's a difficult course, and hopefully it doesn't hail for you. Just want to say thanks for making golf fun. Thank you, Blake. Thank you for the comment. I appreciate that. What is your key to self-motivation and production? Um, the key is that you need to want to do it and you need to be interested in it and you need to treat that puzzle like no one cares if you solve it, but that you do. That's the that's the key is it's all about you. It's If you care, other people will, and that's the, that's the bonus. And that's when it becomes an ecosystem. Does looking the park get you in a more confident mindset, resulting in better scores? 100%. I'll get on those tight pants. I put a belt on, a nice shirt, a little quarter zip, some nice shoes that are just strung up nice and tight, a nice hat. Look in the mirror. You feel good. That's that's a good way to play good golf. It's not the only way, but it makes it nice. And especially then when you get a photo taken with your friends. You look kind of good, you know? You look, you look like you're not a schlub. But, uh, yeah, I don't even pack T-shirts anymore. How crazy is that? Um... What's my favorite moment on a golf course? It would be in Iceland, and it would be when we got in, and we had a couple hours free. In the we landed, and um, we played a little golf in the morning. We got there solstice last year, and then we got into Reykjavik. We had some time, went around town, hung out, and then it was about one a.m. and we looked around and we were like, "Dude, the sun's not even down, and it's not going down because the sun sets in ten minutes. It's only going to come back up." So we packed up the car put all the clubs in it, drove 10 minutes to the Ness golf course, which means nose in uh, Icelandic. A little nine-hole course that's surrounded by water on all sides. It's a peninsula. And, um, yeah, we snuck on, jumped the fence, played golf in the middle of the night, but it was sunrise, and we made a vlog about it, but no one's seen it. So there's that. <laughs> It'll be out soon. I don't know. We're saving it because it's a little special thing. It was like it was like the first vlog we ever made, and there's the three episodes. We go all through Iceland, so... If you could golf with anyone in the world, who would it be? Oh boy, I'd like to golf with some presidents. I'd like to go with. A, I'd like to see that. Um, was Pebble everything you expected it to be? It was a little bit more difficult, but it's because I didn't bring my game. Update on be the ball. Be the ball. We are considering doing uh, another round, so we need. Uh, we're working on the finishing of it, and you know, in the process of looking for investors, we decided. You know what? In addition to doing that, 
let's do a Kickstarter. So we're thinking about doing a crowdfunding campaign to finish the film. It basically needs editing and a couple more shots, but mostly it's really, really there. But the problem is, is that as we shot the film, I've grown so much in my own sort of filmmaking life that, you know, I'm like, I want this to be better. So, you know, it's a great film that will benefit all who see it, especially those that want to play, you know, good competitive golf. So, you know, that's what we're considering, but it's still totally on the table. Can I have your dog? Um, No, but I appreciate the request. Thank you for asking first. What do you find is the most mentally challenging aspect of golf? Um, Belief. You got to believe you can do it before you can actually do it. What's the best Wi-Fi name you've ever seen? Uh, Russian spies. That's my neighbor who were actually Russian. So there you go. Um, All right. A couple more here. Um, What's the most meaningful moment you've ever had on a golf course? I'll finish with that. That was um, that was when I was in Ireland, and I basically was out there with my brother and my dad and my mom, and we were playing all these great courses. And my mom wasn't playing very much. You know, she's good, but she's not. She doesn't really care too much. She might hit a drive here and there, hit a couple approaches. But she's mostly there for the walk. You know, going back to that question. And um, we're playing Old Head, which is not a significant golf course from an architectural perspective or historical. It's relatively new, but it's on an incredible piece of property incredible it's a head which in um you know which which means it's like on a high peninsula a cliff-like peninsula it's sort of like if you took you know the seventh hole with the sixth green and the eighth tee box at pebble and instead you put a full golf course on that uh kind of like ness what i was referring to in iceland but uh old head is the south southwest area of ireland in cork and it's a rainy morning and we all tee off and my mom's like i'm not gonna hit right now and she kind of didn't hit for the first nine she didn't hit a shot and the caddy, uh, Dan, Ian, Ian, old English guy, um, really stark, really, you know, handsome um, and serious and friendly, you know. Um, Ian says to me after nine holes, it's spitting down rain still after hours. He says, your mom might be having the most fun out here. I turned around. I was like in the middle of the fairway looking back. And I saw her walking with my brother and my dad. And he said, yeah, she's probably having the most fun. And I thought about that, and I was like, yeah, you're probably right, man. That's funny, you know, like the memory, right? The memory is there that that doesn't really matter, the shot. It's the experience. And then he hits me with it. And he said, he turns to me, and he sort of puts his hand out like as though he's going to say something serious, you know, like, like you know, you know when you put your hand out like an Italian guy, and you're sort of just pointing at somebody with your palm facing down. And he goes, Eric, you don't realize it yet, but in 20 years you'll remember this day. And I immediately got chills, um, not because it was cold, but because he had said something that was one of those things in life that when you hear it, it's so incredibly true and so incredibly deep and real and meaningful and and completely encapsulates why we do everything we do that, uh, yeah, I just was hit and I was like paralyzed right there. And I didn't start crying, but my eyes got wet. And I thought about how, what life will be like in 20 years immediately, right? Will I have kids? Will I be married? Will I still live in LA? Will my parents be alive? Um, They would be in their late 90s. And that was difficult to consider. Because we walk through life assuming everything's great and perfect forever. And it's hard to, 
have a moment like that in golf when we're so bound to score or so bound to results. And the irony is that my mom wasn't that day. Without hitting a ball, you can't care. <laughs> so I'll never forget that, obviously. And he told me not to. And I appreciate that for him. So I don't know if I have many moments that were quite that incredibly momentarily deep and insightful and meaningful and powerful. All right, so with that, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Q&A. If I didn't get to your question, I'm sorry, but I will do it again soon. We'll see you out there. Roll them straight or wherever the break is.